Hello, it is Friday. That means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Fantastic, my friend. <laughs> this is our favorite time of the year, Coach. NBA playoffs, lots of exciting things happen. We'll get into all the craziness that happened last night. Woo! But you want to do something different, and I'm going to give you the floor. Give me your 30-second elevator pitch, summarizing <laughs> every playoff series so far. Yeah, you'd think I'd prepare for this. <laughs> but you did put it in the document. <laughs> forgot that I put it in there. All right, give me a series. Uh, Warriors Nuggets. Warriors Nuggets. Uh, it's a one-man team. Then <laughs> uh, uh, Nikola Jokic has done really well in two of the three games. He was magnificent last night. But they're playing a team. Uh, we'll talk more about them later, Gerard. And Golden State's team has been able to beat Nikola Jokic's. Jokic, <laughs> three straight games. So there looks like they're cruising to that one. Suns versus Pelicans. Wow, what an amazing situation. Uh, the Pelicans gave themselves a chance in both games to win. They ended up winning one, and then something terrible happened to Phoenix. Their, their best player got hurt. And so this is a very up-in-the-air series now, which will be a shocking eight over one, considering eight was one and 11 to start the year. Mavs versus Jazz. Um, we're watching a train being derailed in front of our eyes. Uh, it, it, Dallas has no excuse being up 2-1 with the, one of the world's best players missing all three games. They're playing great defense, Gerard, and Utah is just melting down, not connected, uh, not giving all the effort they need to, and uh, this team's going to be overhauled in the offseason, it looks like. Grizzlies-Wolves. The, maybe the most shocking game I've ever seen in the postseason. Memphis came back twice from down huge numbers. To, to beat Minnesota's butt in Minnesota to take command of the, of the series at 2-1. Uh, I think both teams are growing. Minnesota's a year behind where Memphis was, is now. Memphis was there last year. And this is the growth process of learning how to deal with leads and also, in Memphis' case, learning how to deal with being a favorite. All right, go to the East. Heat versus Hawks. Miami just really kind of rolling. Atlanta paid the price of having to win two games to, to get into the series overall. Trey Young was okay in game two, but he still had 10 turnovers. It's Miami's team defense, their perimeter shooting, and then we're also seeing the emergence of Jimmy Butler reasserting himself as one of the best players in the world. Celtics Nets. A case of incredible focused defense targeting basically one player, Kevin Durant. Uh, that and all the minutes he's played down the stretch has probably worn him down some, but Boston's collective spirit to defend and, and, and really get after it. And that challenge of guarding KD, I think is defined what's happened so far. Bucks bulls. Another case of a team, give themselves a chance and then getting luck happened. Uh, Chicago has outplayed Milwaukee, actually both games only won one of them. Uh, DeRozan is back to being the guy he was most of the year. Uh, Vucevic has taken 18 threes in two games after averaging four a game during the regular season. And, uh, and then you've got the injury to Middleton. Uh, he's probably gone the rest of this series. Milwaukee's in some danger. Yeah. Philly versus Toronto. To me, that's the, the most surprising one to me, other than the fact that we know Toronto was not the same team. Gary Trent was super sick. Fred Van Vliet hurt his knee, had been hurt late in the season. Scotty Barnes plays two and a half quarters or so. And because of that, we've seen one amazing game and two terrible ones. And Philly's got a chance to end it, you know, over the weekend. 
I love that. See, you know, you could do it 30, less than 30 seconds each time. Excellent. All right. Another thing you wanted to do was talk about um, our, our favorite playoff story. Uh, yeah. I'll go with mine first. Um, yeah. I, I like that youth is being served in, in, in the playoffs so far. Now it's early. We're only three games in super small sample yep. size for most series, two, three games in. But I like that young players are stepping up and making an impact. Um, you always talk about reference points. Well, when you're young, you don't have any. Well, yeah. these are some. Right? right. And they're going to have some bad ones, too, but they're all worth it. And they're all going to stack up in their brains so that when they're in year six, seven, eight and nine, hopefully they keep going to the playoffs. This is all stuff they grow from. So I'm loving to see the young guys step up. How about you? That's a great one. Right. Near and dear to my heart. I, I'm going to go with uh, the lesson Steph Curry is teaching the world. This is one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, Henry Abbott has been his top five of all time. You and I both aren't arguing strenuously. Like right. he's in the conversation. Right. For sure. For sure. And he is happily, joyfully coming off the bench. <laughs> still, I mean, game one, I get it, but game three is still doing it. And that has allowed Jordan Poole to absolutely flourish, which makes them a much more attractive candidate to be world champions. And it's not affecting his game at all. He's on a minutes restriction, but you know, Gerard, most players with the brand of Steph Curry are limiting their minutes, yes, but they're still starting. Yeah. And he isn't. But and they, what a credit to him. That needs to be championed. And if he's crowned champion, the lesson's really going to be learned. But every every star should take a page of what they're what Steph Curry's doing right now. I mean, you and I know, and you know, especially as a coach, it don't matter who starts. It matters who's finishing the game, right? And they know when it's crunch time, he's finishing the ball games, right? So, and that's wonderful by Steph. I love what I'm seeing there. Something I'm not liking, um, and this is sort of like an overarching thing that happens every every year, coach, around this time. And, you know, it's my own fault for being on the hellscape that is Twitter. <laughs> but it is the constant referendum on legacies and players after one playoff game. Like, that conversation is so lowbrow, disingenuous, and tiring. Like, it, it we need to collectively talk about this sport and these athletes in a much more elevated nuanced way right like and stop distilling characters down to well they never won the big one or like as if a team award is somehow a referendum on an individual that's great i didn't know where you're going to go with it i thought you were going to go with what i was going to go with which is injuries. I mean, I mean we're, yeah, we're going to talk about we're going to make that its own topic mm -hmm. so the thing i'll say is i don't like uh the devolution of half-court offenses as soon as the other team does a good job of starting to defend the actions you came into this series with i'd rather see a counter and another counter i still want them to do it remember remember the jj reddick's breakdown of that last second half-court uh uh throw in and the nb3 to win the game he talks about gary trent messing up on a switch all right if you have don't know what i'm talking about it's his podcast mm -hmm. and there's video of it he breaks it all down gerard and i've seen it a bunch already and uh, what happened? Well, they set a bunch of screens all in, within the blink of an eye, and Gary Trent made, made a wrong read. Now, you can argue why did, why did Nick Nurse have Fred bleed in the game. I'm arguing that. And why was someone not on the ball? I'm arguing that too. But what you can't argue with is once screens, screens start being set, guys get confused. So keep setting screens in the half-court offense, not just one screen at the top. But we're, getting, we're seeing half-court offenses that aren't even starting to the 14-second mark of the clock when they come set a screen on the ball. I'd rather see snappier stuff, more screens, more actions, more stuff away from the ball, make these defenses work harder than what they're having to work for. 
we're, we're going to come back and touch that topic because I, I love it. Uh, Henry posted something on Twitter on that hellscape that is Twitter. Um, who's the most ex- exciting player to watch so far in the playoffs? And I thought uh, we'd each give our answer. I didn't tell you that was coming, but so far uh, I'm liking watching Jordan Poole. Like it's been fun. So he so far has been the most exciting player for me. How about you? I'm going to go with, uh, for a different reason. I- I'm going to go with John Morant. Because I'm not a NASCAR fan. I don't really understand why other people are, but I have no problem if they are, uh, or, or you know, as car racing fans in general. I know Formula One's a big deal now. Uh, John Morant's a, a human car wreck. And I mean that in a good way and a bad way. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of Russell Westbrook in him. And I mean that in a good way and a bad mm-hmm. way. He is breathtaking. And he's got some Dwayne Wade mixing him too. And I'm very worried about his health. As am I. He is on the floor more than anyone. He is constantly getting crashed into, uh, uh, bumped into, run over, knocked down, smacked, punched, screened. And he brings so much ferocity, just like Russell. But Russell is the bionic man. Mm-hmm. John Morant looks more ordinary than Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. physically. And yet his heart is just as big. And so it's exciting to watch because, man, that dude goes at it. But there's some there's some really bad consequences to some of the stuff he does. But it definitely is exciting, unless you bet on him, which I don't bet. So no worries there. Um, coach, the floor famously does not give when you fall on it, right? And so <laughs> I I worry about him in year four, year five, year six, if his game doesn't. Not, I'm not saying take away the athleticism drive to him. That's what makes him special. But getting smart, you talk about reference points where players know, okay, I don't need to be attacking the rim all game long right let me develop these other things because again if i keep this up i'm not going to be able to do anything by year five and six uh so i hope that things start to develop and change for him uh on that level so you know coach i wanted to start here we you and i talked about this a couple weeks ago and there's this common misnomer out there in the playoffs well rotation shorten and coaches only go with their top seven or eight guys and you play them 40 something minutes and blah 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 And yes, it's kind of one of those things where it's sort of accepted because that's what coaches have always done, right? And nobody wants to like step out of the mold and look different or like unique. So most coaches just follow what everybody else does. We play our best guys. We don't play the bench, whatever. But we're seeing teams that have done that and prioritized depth actually performing well this postseason. And teams that did not do that, well, if you got a guy, go down. Stinks to be you because now you're putting a person in the game who hasn't played any minutes. You clearly, which means that that player knows you don't trust him. So I think he's going to feel in the most high intensity, intensity leverage game of his career. Probably not great. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Yeah, no. Um, I was sensitive to this last year watching Utah play and, and, and playing with such a short bench when the bench was such a key part of what they were doing uh, during the regular season with their best team. And uh, it makes no sense to me. The, 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 the superstar who plays 36 minutes is just going to be fresher than the one who plays 46 minutes or 43 minutes. And, and it's cumulative. There, it, you're not, there's not full restorative power on the day off in between games, although first round you sometimes get an extra day. But then it starts just one day off, one day off, one day off, that's it. So I, 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 I think, you know, I, I'm already closing on 60 in three years, gulp. <laughs> when I'm closing on 80, if I'm lucky enough to have that, I think that we're going to have this figured out. I, I think so. the science will dictate that, of course, we don't play these. It'll, it's barbaric. Like, just like our pitchers, our, our, our baseball managers are, I mean, you, you may have seen this a couple weeks ago. There's a, 
I think a pitcher for the Dodgers, Kershaw. Yeah, perfect game. Was, mm-hmm. was pulled mm-hmm. and had no problem with it yep, because he knows way. he wants to pitch three five days later and not be in surgery. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to catch over basketball where it's just we're going to look back and think. Uh, like like Bones McCoy would say in Star Trek, like what kind of brutal <laughs> medicine were you all practicing? You're cutting people open and all this and that. He would just use some kind of radar and fix them, you know? Um, yeah, you didn't expect that Star Trek reference. But I, I, I did not. I'm a product of that era now. Um, I think that we're going to see that, Gerard. I think that they're going to think it's ludicrous to play someone in 40 some odd minutes and then do it again two days, three days later. It's just so stupid. When a fresher guy, and look at, look at some of the things we've seen. And some of the guys doing really well right now Worth overplayed all season, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so they are fresher now. So I think that's what'll end up happening. No, you're you're 100 correct, and I just, you know, again, Henry talks about this often. If there is a way in which we need to go against the jock macho culture of toughness and all, and because like that's that's not tough to me. It's stupid. Like that's unintelligent. Like being tough to me is being smart, right? And knowing, oh. I want to be able to last the entire postseason, not just this one game. I've got six more of these potentially to go, you know, so I, I think you're right. Hopefully over time we'll start seeing, uh, you know, sports science uh, infiltrate more and players and, and and coaches be smarter about this. Let's go into last night's Memphis Grizzlies Minnesota Timberwolves game. Whoa, man, that was so it, it was, you know, as, as as an objective journalist, I try not to have any rooting interest in games. <laughs> But of course, everyone knows I'm in the tank for the Grizzlies. Love that team. They're just so fun. Why, why by the way? I've never asked you that before. I Forgive me. It, it, it's why, so funny. Why is it Memphis? So it, it honestly, it started when they drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was a big, I was high on him. And I was like, I think. Why? I just, I was like, this guy's got talent. so, yeah. I was like, he, okay. now look, talent is like, you know, I can't think of a great analogy to use, but there are a million of them out there. If you don't do anything with that talent or develop it or whatever, yeah. then it's, it's great, but it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot, right? Um, but I was like, man, if the Grizzlies ever figure out what to do with that dude, I think they're going to be really good. And this, How'd you know about him? I, I, I watched a little bit of college. Like, I wasn't by, just watched college. By then, I was, I was watching a little. I, I'd still been off of college a lot, but I'd seen enough to be like, I kind of like this kid. Um, and then I, I knew he, I don't remember where he played. Michigan State. Michigan State? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, got it. I, yeah. I'm amazed that I got that. Yeah. I never saw him once in college. And I was also, also like, all right, Izzo knows what he's doing. Anybody that comes out of an Izzo program has got some basketball IQ, right? Like, if for no other reason than Izzo, like, yells at you 24-7 to, like, learn basic <laughs> things, right? So I'm like, he's not going to be an idiot. Like, he's going to know what's going on, and he, he does. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, that, that's my Grizzlies thing. So last night during the okay. game, peaks and valleys, right? I'm like, oh, man, started out rough. Down 26 in the first half or 24 in the first half. Yeah. All right, cut it to six. I'm like, all right, feeling good. This is good, 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 good bounce back, good punch back. Second half comes, third quarter. Oh, man, they did it again. I was like, oh, I don't know if you're going to come back from <laughs> two of those. Eh, that's right. a little too much. But slowly but surely. And I do think it's funny. You know, you and I talk about this. Charles Barkley, if he wants to actually talk intelligently about basketball, he can. But that's not what inside the NBA is for. Inside's for jokes and to make everybody laugh and do all that. He said at halftime. I'm worried about this game. Minnesota's a dumb team. They're going to let Memphis right back in the ballgame. And sure enough, <laughs> second half comes, and I'm like, wow, they're really doing this. And it was just, to me, I would love to ask you this question from a coach perspective. I don't know that a timeout by Finch would have s- saved the day, but would you have called a timeout on a team going on a 21-0 run the second time and now seeing them go ahead and we're like, we're going to lose this game? 
Well, I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> a lot to say about this. Yes, I would have called timeout, and I would have asked my all-NBA world-beating center to introduce himself to our team. <laughs> right? Say, guys, this is Carlton Towns, okay? Uh, we need to get him the ball. We're bleeding from every pore of our body right now, and they can't guard him. Worst case scenario, he can just shoot the 18-foot jumper, and it's a layup for us. Doesn't mean he'll make every one. He'll make some. And, he, and it's the only shot he made. The whole fourth quarter was an 18-footer mm -hmm. over Brandon Clark, mm -hmm. which he can get anytime he wants, right? Uh, yeah. Hell yes. Hell yes, I would have called a timeout. Um, I watched that fourth quarter again this morning. I watched it last night live. I watched it this morning. And the Minnesota guards lost their minds, including D'Angelo Russell. And he's got a brilliant mind. Yeah. Patrick Beverly has got some Westbrook in him. He sure so, does. Uh, for the good and bad. And it, were, it was good. In the first half, it was good. When he was doing the too little thing, I, got, I thought that was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't test Ja that way. And uh, I don't think he'll do it again, by the way, <laughs> now that they've given up that 26-point lead. But um, D'Angelo is a, is a bright man like, yes. when he plays. Not to yeah. say Patrick isn't bright. He doesn't always play bright. D'Angelo normally does. He took one really bad three mm -hmm. in that game. It was one on three. And he pulled it back, and I thought, yes. And then he shot it. And I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm so upset with myself. Uh, not that I'm not wrong all the time. Of course I am. But I, I tweeted last night. That this is it, the Memphis is down twenty something in the second half. This is the second fall mm -hmm. down they they had. They fell down twice. I tweeted something about, um, oh, uh, this is not the Memphis team we saw all year. They have eight offensive rebounds for the game, which at the time was the same as what Minnesota had. And Stephen Adams hasn't played at all, whatever. But what I wanted to tweet was they were down twenty two. I think when I wrote the, that first tweet, I wanted to tweet. Memphis, but, but blah, blah, blah. Memphis still has them right where they want them. Mm -hmm. And my point would have been, because I was thinking this as I'm watching the game with my wife, who was not watching the game. She was sitting in the room with me. My point was Memphis has handled being the favorite so poorly in games one and game three. You could see it. They were panicked mm. that Minnesota was playing well. They, they, they didn't know how to deal with being the favorite. I know, and I've talked about this on the show before, those expectations are different. Mm -hmm. And, but at some point in these games, it flips, especially the home team. So when you're the underdog and you're at home and everything is just puppy dogs and ice cream and all it takes is something, a couple of good things to happen for the bad guys, which is Memphis in this case, if you're in Minnesota. And then now you're dealing with this, oh my God, we, we're about to pull this upside, go up 2-1 and can take control of the series. And all of that, that, it's not just momentum, it's weight shifts onto you. Well, Desmond Bain delivered that bad news. Mm -hmm. He started knocking in some threes. Mm -hmm. and, and Minnesota absolutely lost it. They lost it. And they forgot who Carlton Towns was. And I, I, you know, we only see what the camera shows us, Gerard. Mm -hmm. So I could not watch Chris Finch all the time. But when I saw him, I saw a guy that was scared. Deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. But all of this, like you said earlier, it's all reference points for the future. Memphis learned how to be the favorite, how to beat the favorite last year, and they got their ass kicked. They played competitively every game, but Utah really controlled that whole series from game two on. Memphis has grown from that a little bit. Just keep fighting. These are long games. Just keep fighting. And it's all to get a couple of Bane threes. Minnesota kind of melted down, and boom, here, you know, Katie barred the door. Minnesota 
it, you don't just learn the next game. It's going to take a bit. Like, we're going to see Minnesota next year. This should be a playoff team for years to come. And they will learn from this because I don't think they're going to win the series. Yeah. Uh, sure. They may win game four. I still don't think they're the best team in the series. I think Memphis is. But, um, boy, it's uh, I had three timeouts. My, they went, Was it a 20-something-0 run? Yeah, 21-0. Yeah. Yeah, 21. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saving timeouts. Like, there is no, what do you need in the, in the last minute if you're down eight? <laughs> right. Well, in this case, they were down 10. Right. Game's over. Right. So, yeah, I don't believe in saving timeouts. I know I'd, I'd love to save one. Right. But I'd use the others. Um, so, you know, I talked about the start of the show. One thing I'm disappointed in, which is the discourse on Twitter and social media in general. As a coach, what did you, you mentioned we got to get Carl Anthony Towns the ball. So a lot of the conversation out there was, you know, Cat's just not that dude. Like, he's super talented, but there's some, something missing there. He doesn't want it. Like, whatever. He's just fouling unnecessarily. He's got more fouls and field goals, field goal attempts. All this. What are you seeing when you uh, – I don't know if, if you watched him closely enough, but what are, what are you seeing – okay, as a coach, what are you seeing from him specifically? Oh, I saw a frustrated player. Uh, they took a couple of shots. Um, Morris took a three. Uh, uh, and Carl was posting up and there was a few instances where just as listen, they're denying the hell out of him. So Edwards and Russell and Beverly uh, have the ball and he's near them and he's working to get open. And just as he's getting open, because you can't deny him fully really when you clear the space around him, just that happened, the guard passed the ball away. And having coached uh, some amazing players in high school. And then my son, who's a brilliant passer, one of my son's gifts was, Exactly this, because I would fucking ground him for a week. <laughs> Max, we just ran this play for our best player, and you passed it away just as he was getting open. Go sit in the doghouse for a week. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, like this is why timeouts would be worthwhile for Chris Finch. Like, hey, guys, our best player is just getting open, and you're moving the ball away from him right when he's getting open. We need to time that stuff up. The one offensive foul he had, I, I'm not sure it was a really good call, but he, yeah, he just tried to get open. He was just trying to get open. He swung his arm around and kind of popped him in the head. But there was, a, there was no focus on getting their best player of the ball. None. Zero. That's correctable. Yeah. Doesn't mean it'll happen the next game. Beverly's experienced when these other, some of these other guys aren't. Uh, Edwards, we know, is, has a proclivity for taking bad shots. That's not going to suddenly change. Uh, he's willing to move the ball somewhat. He'll get better as, year go, mm-hmm. as time goes on. Not this season, but overall. Um, but yeah, that's a team collapse. I do not blame Towns one. I mean, he's as guilty as anyone else for fouling, but uh, I'm sure he's demanding the ball and it's not his fault. But you know, they said the same shit about Dirk. Right. They said it about K- uh, uh, KG. Mm-hmm. They said the mm-hmm. same thing about LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Wh- what did we listen to these people for? <laughs> I definitely am not. It, it, you know, uh, one thing, the last thing I'll say about the Timberwolves is this is something that concerned me because I watched them a little bit during the regular season and there were quite a few games where Russell uh edwards and even like uh vanderbilt and like other guys would end the game with more shot attempts than cat and i was like uh i'm not the smartest basketball band in the world but that should never happen where your best player doesn't get the well, most shot attempts i i i'll tweak that statement gerard and say it shouldn't likely ever happen but in, a, in the course of a regular season game if a team really wants to devote that many resources to making Cat not get open at all, and guys are wide open in good spots right, on the floor, right. we can make those exceptions. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if he's getting fouled a lot, which was not the case. Last night, when you're, when you're melting, you, you got to run your best five plays for him. There should be, there should be 
um, almost like a break the glass mm-hmm. folder. Mm-hmm. And it's our absolute best five scripted actions to get our best player of the ball in good spots on the floor listed from best to least best at five. And it's protected by glass. Last night was a break the glass moment. Like we're 16 or run, break the glass. Give us a, <laughs> give us a play and then get another play. Like we have to run our best stuff right now or we're losing. And they didn't, they didn't break the glass. They didn't run anything different. And then he got his fifth foul and that was it. That's when they really melted down from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, it is 2-1 now. Um, you know, I think, look, Memphis could easily win game four. And if they go back to the grindhouse for game five, I think that just might be it for, for the Timberwolves. But, you know, it could also be 2-2. Two, two. You know, they're, they're the kind of team that they just all of a sudden get super hot from three and, you know, look out, look out below. I think for Memphis, one of the things they want to be mindful of is as the hunt, as the hunted now, right, the team with the, with the target on their back coming out and starting playoff games like with more of a sense of urgency right this ain't the regular season where you're always gonna be able to find your way back into a game you do that against if we assuming the seeds hold up and everybody wins out they get down 26 to the warriors in the next round probably ain't coming back against that team not saying it's impossible but that's a whole different unlikely right because of their collective knowledge and the smarts on that team you're not coming back on them but that's a conversation for a different day. No, but let's but let's stay with this just a little bit because you're making a great point. So um, it, it, this is going to seem ironic, but I, I, ultimately it's not. Uh, the lesson here is uh, you would think that the, the, the Wolves will now always be a little gun shy if they get a big lead. And that's a scary thing. And I see it exactly the opposite, which is why I said it's ironic. I actually think it's helpful. You don't want to panic when you're up 26. You don't want to suddenly have First of all, it's great that you're up 26. You're 95% chance to win any game you play up 26 or whatever the number is. It's a big number. It, the, the, the key is the teaching or the training of, okay, we're rolling now. Let, we know what happened before. Let's not panic. Let's lock in. We don't go two possessions in a row without running a good action for Cat and then playing from there because he's either going to have a mismatch typically or he's going to draw a second person. We're going to domino falls. We're going to get an open shot. Let's not just shoot threes. Let's be in attack mode. Like, we know to engage that mode when we're up big and we start, they score five straight points. Okay, let's, let's remember the Wolves game. Instead of that being a place of fear, the, the Wolves Memphis game if you're in Minnesota, it's no, no, no. We learn from that and let's get better from that. If we're mm-hmm. lucky enough to be up even 20 again, we're never going to give that up again the way we did before. We can learn from it. It should be helpful. It should be informative. It does mean it will be. That's where coaching and leadership come in. Yeah, 100%. Um... Let's look at another series, Coach. Uh, last night, Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors. That game last night was Denver's best game of the series. I think they gave Golden State their best punch. Um, I don't know that, you know, if you look at the box score and you watch the game, Denver's role players maybe could have done better, right, in terms of having more points or whatever. But I think that was the best they could possibly play yeah. in a game. And they still lost anyway. <laughs> um, and that's got to be a little demoralizing. Um, you you realize the, the difference between regular season and playoff basketball, right? Playoff basketball accentuates all of your weaknesses. Whatever they are, they're just on full display because you're not playing bad teams. You're playing good teams now. And Jokic was great last night. You know, the, the, the last play where Draymond stripped, I mean, that's just Draymond. I mean, you know, that, that happens. Best on best, like, Sometimes the defense wins. Sometimes the offense wins. It just is what it is. Um, but I thought Jordan Poole I picked was sort of my favorite player to watch so far. What he's done the first three games of this series, holy hell. 
And if that new super death lineup with him, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond, like Denver just doesn't have the personnel to do anything on the reverse end to, to them. And it's it's scary. I think they're shooting something like 60% from the field, 57% from three, which is like, that's just stupid. Like if a team shoots like that, you're not going to win, right? Like it's just, it's just too hard. What are you seeing or what did you see specifically last night in Denver Golden State? The one thing I'll target, well, I mean, the Jordan Poole goes without saying, and I'm happy to talk more about um, kind of my new thing now, which is the, the, the unicorns. There's a new unicorn. And the new unicorn, everyone thinks unicorn is the Porzingis, the seven-foot freak shooter, mm-hmm. mobile. Uh, I think there's a new unicorn, which is the supersonic uh, racer shooter. So Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole are unicorns. Mm-hmm. We, we normally see... The John Walls and Russell Westbrooks and Derrick Rose characters, unable to, John Morant, unable to shoot when they get into the league. Uh, and um, um, Poole and Maxi are now elite shooters with that speed. Those other guys still are not elite shooters. Right. That's the next phase. And they're unicorns. There's so few of them. Uh, so if you're a draft guy that can really race and really shoot, you should be a lottery pick. Jordan Poole would be a lottery pick right now. Tyrese Maxey would be a lottery pick. Poole was picked twenty-eighth. So, Anybody could have had yeah. him. Yeah. Maxey went in their twenties too. After being after leading the UIBL in scoring. Now, in Maxey's case, I don't think he played fast at Kentucky. My memory isn't that he was the fastest dude on the court. He's the fastest dude on the court now in that series. Um, so that's one. Jordan Poole, speed, shooting, just he, you know, as as Henry said to me this morning, we were talking, he said uh, he's choking on all the royal jelly they've given him. And it's true. You know, Curry deserves credit. Kerr deserves credit. The whole franchise. They've, this is how the game was supposed to be. They have developed a number 28 pick into a top 10 talent. Top 10 on the draft talent. Top 5 talent in the draft. There's not five guys better than him in the draft, I wouldn't think. Um, he'll make it $20 million a year starting his new contract. The other thing, and I'm happy to say that we wrote this in our preview, is, uh, man, Clay Thompson is shooting... He's shooting darts in a bar. Uh-oh. We're in trouble Those little now. Dudes can't, <laughs> they can't play with him. Mm-mm. He's just shooting over them like they're not there. And I wrote exactly that. Uh, I saw it on film. Like I, it, you know, I love that people think I'm smart about basketball. I, I, I am sometimes really smart. <laughs> I, I, I've studied hard to be. But most of my observations are just observations that anyone should see. They just don't always know where to look. And this is one thing I do. I can't do a lot. I can't even change a tire. But I know where to look. <laughs> And I watched the games where Clay Thompson, if you're 6'4", he doesn't see you. He's a mini Durant that way. He gets the ball high above his head. He has a little bit of a, just a little back lean. And it's shooting darts in a bar, man. It's just easy for him. And, oh, by the way, they've got Curry and Poole and Draymond as a passer screener. Woo! And they play defense. <laughs> and they're deep. Come on now. Like, like, we've got to salute this team. The Your favorite thing to talk about the Warriors is the Cuisinart. And coach, like, you can see it. I, I, you, you always quote Hubie Brown when I quote him again. Yep. He set screens yep. for one reason, to make the defense think. Yep. My head hurts watching them set all their yeah. – and, and I'm not playing. So I can only imagine what it's like when you're trying to defend all that. And when the two of them – you have Curry and Poole both racing around simultaneously. It's like, fucking, what the hell? Is, like, I mean, I think I'd be stuck in quicksand. Like, I, like paralysis. What? Who, what? Who's doing what? <laughs> And you've got to be so disciplined and locked in and connected as a team defensively, or you're just getting skewered. Like, and it's, you know, it's, it's three games. I think Denver's also uniquely not designed to, they, they, have, they have nothing. Like, they, they, they have nothing to, to counteract that. 
You know what I would love to see? And it won't happen because they're not healthy. What would a team with elite two-way wings like the Clippers be able to do against that lineup, right? You got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, where it's like, okay, I see you guys doing your thing. We can defend too, and now we can score on the other end. So now you got to guard us, right? Like, but there's no team set up that can do that right now, I don't think, in the West. Yeah, the, yeah, it would be Boston in the East. Yeah, yeah, correct. Tatum and Brown. Uh, uh, when the Clippers uh, lost in that, in that bubble, um, they were the best team in the league as a shooting team, and they had those wing defenders. Um, I remember, I don't know which finals it was because they did, they played each other four years in a row, but <laughs> it was the Cleveland Golden State finals, a really important part of the fourth quarter and a very tight game when, when whatever series it was, was still in doubt. Golden State ultimately won this series. I know this, I just don't remember which game it was, but it was like a game three or four when it was competitive and late in the game, Gerard, two different times, Draymond Green got the easiest layups you could ever imagine anyone getting anywhere, much less fourth quarter finals of the NBA championships because of the Cuisinart. And I wrote about it. I don't know. I must have been ESPN. Maybe that, yeah, it had to be ESPN. I don't remember. Um, sounds like I was. Um, they're so worried about Curry and, and, and Thompson, or back then KD, that they forgot to guard the six foot six guy standing next to the rim. But that's the beauty. And, and so, Contrast that with what we're just talking about, for example, in Utah or in um, uh, the series we were just talking about with um, Memphis and Minnesota. Memphis and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Memphis and Minnesota, where, um, and even Utah uh, with Donovan just ISOing, where they can't get a good shot. Minnesota couldn't get a good shot. Uh, they're not running anything. And Golden State's running stuff. It's not just pick and roll at 14 seconds on the clock. Uh, I think this is where the league is making a mistake. And uh, it's where Europeans, because they don't have the talent we have in that league, not mm-hmm. not the level these guys are, mm-hmm. they, they rely on tactics more. And um, I think that this is where our game's going to go. It's just more tactics, uh, even if you have a star player. But our star players have to be willing to do it. And that right yeah. now is not happening all the, all, everywhere. It isn't Golden State. And star players that are that elite running tactics. Well, I mean, now it's like you're you got you, – <laughs> Good luck. Like you're just you're not you're not gonna be able to stop that. And it's really gonna take serious discipline to stop the Cuisinart. Um, you know, and look, competition gets better and but now with injuries, you know, and luck, we talk about that. Things change on the time. Uh, but I, I I've been really impressed with what I what I saw out of there. And, you know, I think I said it on another podcast. I was like, oh no, that's Warriors and four in that series. I was like, maybe the Nuggets get a game. Last night I think was their chance to get a game. Doubt that doubt it happens now. Golden State's like this kind of team where they they've been here. They know let's put let's step on their necks and end this so that we rest and we're ready for you know whoever we got coming up in in, in round two. Um, so injuries, coach, have really eh, I don't want to say put a damper on it because it's still good basketball, but it's changed teams' fortunes immediately. And that, we talk about this all the time. The, once you get into the tournament, the margins are thin, right? We don't collectively our brains don't remember that we think of it as oh once KD joined the warriors it was a guarantee they were going to win all these that's but that's not if you remember and go back and watch that's not how it happened right down three two to the rockets could have lost then right if jr smith doesn't have the biggest brain fart in the world the caval the cavaliers win game one the finals looks very different right there's so many different things that change on small things that we don't remember well now we got some injuries to look at and for the the, the milwaukee bucks chris middleton has got a uh, sprained AC, uh, MCL, excuse me, in his knee. That's at least two weeks. 
So he is out of the first round of the playoffs. Now, here's your challenge against Chicago. Well, Alex Caruso's kind of playing some pretty good defense, which we know he really can do. Good defense. And if he's able to shut off some water for Drew Holiday, who you need now, because now you only have one reliable person who can create offense, which is Giannis. So if Drew Holiday can't create offense, where's the rest of your stuff coming from? And, you know, uh, if the Bucks continue to, I'm oh, sorry, the Bulls continue to have this resurgence from Vooch where he's shooting threes, as you wrote so eloquently and said, just shoot a ton of threes. Uh, this series all of a sudden now gets weird and interesting for Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. If, if I mean, Phoenix, who, who's more likely to lose, Phoenix or Milwaukee? Uh, I would, if I had to bet on it, I would say Milwaukee only because I agree. I think Phoenix is more, should have enough talent to beat New Orleans. Right. The Bulls are better than the Pelicans. Yes. Yes. Um, Not by a lot, the way this New Orleans team is playing. Right. But there was a period of time where Chicago was number one in the East. Correct. And it wasn't that long ago. Like it was in 2022. Correct. They were number one in the East in January, I believe. Um, I think you're right. I think that I I will say this, Milwaukee has gone through this, like you were saying before. Um, uh, Golden State's been through the wars a little bit. They know how to step on necks, as, Adi- as our friend Adina would say, mm-hmm. go for necks. <laughs> um, uh, I think that Milwaukee has, wait, but they've been out, they've been down 0 2 twice yes. last year, right? mm-hmm. two different times in one. But um, the Bulls are just, they've, I mean, I, I believe he's a hell of a coach. He's, players really like playing for him. He, he really is the genuine article that way. I don't know that he's the best tactician. I don't know that you have to be uh, when you've got great talent. I think he's good enough. I mean, guys want a bunch for sure um, at both levels. And um, it, and when he wasn't expected to necessarily, no one th- thought Chicago would be this team. Mm-hmm. And then injuries devastated him. They might've been the one seed. They were rolling with Lonzo. And then Caruso went down too. And Pat Williams, who's looking like he's going to be a player for them, mm-hmm. um, which I'm happy for. Uh, I think that... Um, They've got to find a way to, to, you know, they've got to do to DeRozan what Boston's doing to Durant. Mm-hmm. They've really got to make him uncomfortable. Now, he's smaller than Durant, which in some ways makes it harder to throw up his rhythm. He's just lower and quicker to the ground. They really are getting under Durant, and it's bothering him a lot. But on the other hand, he's also smaller than Durant getting shot off. Mm-hmm. And so there's, a, there's an avenue there. They've got to disrupt him. He's really not having a hard time getting to his most effective areas and, and, and his timing is impeccable. And, and whereas Boston's really thrown off Durant's timing. Um, but Milwaukee, when it's time to knuckle up, they've done it. Like we've seen it before more than once. So um, uh, I think it's just going to be great. Like it's really something I think they're playing tonight, aren't they? Yeah. That's tonight. Yeah. And you know, that is, <laughs> It, 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 it's incredible because that now, if that series ends up going longer, um, you know, yeah, this is, and if the Boston Nets series goes short, well, Boston now gets to sit back and relax and, you know, things could all of a sudden open up a bath where it's like, now Boston's going to the conference finals, going to the NBA finals, right? It's just amazing how these little things happen and all of a sudden the world's looking a lot different. Long way to go before we get there. We're only a game uh, three for crying out loud, but you know, something to pay attention to. You, you talked about the Suns and the Pelicans. Devin Booker is revealed as a grade one hamstring, at least three weeks. Okay, that's so that's a problem. So that that because that, that is that's a body blow. Yes, that's a that body is blow. your 
you know, you can argue who's more, I would say Chris Paul is their most important player. Devin Booker is their best player, right? Okay, fine. You think they're good enough to beat New Orleans without Book? Where it's going to matter now is the next round, okay? Especially with the way that it looks like it's going to be Dallas because uh, we talked about the, the train wreck that is Utah and that thing's just falling off the tracks. Yeah, they play defense, Dallas. Like, really good defense. They And listen, if you don't have a, a player like Booker who can help, you know, alleviate and be that pressure release valve, and you know, he's such a – his footwork in the mid-range, his ability to create he's, – he's fantastic. That is – that's a huge thing to be missing. 27 points, five boards, five – I mean, that's just – that's a lot to just say, yeah, we'll figure it out somewhere else. Like, I don't know that you figure it out somewhere else. Aiton's going to have to be better. Bridges is going to have to be better. The bench is going to have to be, There's so many, right? Every time someone goes down, it forces people, the rung below, to do a little bit more, even more than they're actually capable of or accustomed to doing so long consistently. So I think that bears watching. You know, we thought Buck Suns, yeah, that's what it's looking like. Finals rematch. Now, that's in serious jeopardy. What, what we, if you, today, what would be your likely finalist? Uh, today. today. We're allowed to change yeah. it. Today, the way they're playing right now, Boston and mm-hmm. probably Golden State. Yeah, I would agree. But Miami, we'll well, yeah, Miami, yeah, Miami, yeah, I don't want to diss yeah. Miami. I, or, I was thinking know. Boston too, Gerard. But if my, Miami better get Game Three, because otherwise they're going to be the more fatigued team potentially before they play um, Philly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who could wrap things up, you know, this weekend too. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be hard. Atlanta's been really good at home, like twenty something and mm-hmm. five or whatever in the last. 20 some odd games. So Miami's got the work cow for them, but they're, you know, it seems like they're finding this try a little better anyway. Yeah. Um, Phoenix, I, I think the Pelicans present a lot of problems when Brandon Ingram's playing the way he is. Mm-hmm. I, I know this. I don't think this. Valanciunas is such a capable scorer. I think he had 18 and 25 in game one. Phoenix has been right there for both. I mean, uh, the Pelicans have been right there for both games. They only won one, but they were there for both. Uh, uh, Jose Alvar, I, I don't know what. Some GMs are doing. Jose Alvarado has to be drafted. He has to be drafted. Uh, I credit the David Griffin and the Pelicans for picking him up on a two-way, but how does how does someone not draft him? Uh, Herb Jones has to be a first-round pick. These guys getting all four, they played all the fourth quarter. One's a second-round pick. One was undrafted, like and on the road in Phoenix. On the road against the best still. team in yeah. the NBA. Yeah, come on. And, and Trey Murphy was their their third. He was the first runner. He played less than the other two. So uh, he was the first runner. Uh, yeah, no, this year. Um, yeah, that team's got a nice future. If you're if you're a stock, you're buying them right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Zion doesn't want to play with that, yeah, then he, uh, something, he doesn't yeah. really want to play basketball. Like right. if you if you only want to play for certain teams, there's a level of love for the game that you lack, and that's a problem. For me, it's a problem. Um, those guys play. They defend. Um, my, I don't know Brandon Ingram. I've always been a huge fan. And my people in New Orleans just rave about him. Yeah. He's... Rave about him as a person. Like, he doesn't carry himself like a superstar. But, dude, he is really good. Like, MVP of the finals good. Mm-hmm. It may be Zion if, they, if he comes back. Like, that team's going to be legit. But it could be Ingram. If you really want to focus on Zion, Ingram will give you 30 a night. Yeah. And, and easy. Like, he's not taking 35 shots. He's, he's under control. I, I really think he – and he's 24 years old. Hey, Coach, you think the Lakers would love to have Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram right now? I just <laughs> – you know, they, they, got a, they got one championship. I, 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 I may have news to announce in the, in the coming weeks 
where I may be in a position, I won't be an NBA team, where I, I've got some, I may, I may get involved in some basketball program and I'll put my money where my mouth is. But um, if you have a chance to be really good every single year, uh, I think you should, I think you should do that instead of putting all your eggs in a carton in a basket for a year or two. And then you're stuck with what you're stuck with because Zubach, Zubach was on that team, you know, mm-hmm. Josh Hart, mm-hmm. uh, who Portland's very excited to have they, they, they were bad in the Kobe years and got all this talent and then pissed it all away for one really amazing season. Mm-hmm. And it was COVID ruined it, but they yeah. still won a championship for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd rather just be really good every year. I don't have a chance about at the Apple every year, I think. Um, I'm with you. And uh, another injury to talk about, um, Luca in Dallas. I mean, this is so amazing, Coach, that the Mavericks are likely going to win <laughs> round one, and their best player hasn't played a game yet. Now, that says a lot would about... Would you play him game four? Gerard, would no. you play him game no. four? No, we're already up to That's one what for thinking. what? No. That's we're... what I was thinking. Uh, well, if a doctor told us, guys... Whether he plays or not, it, it's the same for game five. Different well, then, story. Then right? fine. Then fine. Yeah. But absent that, yeah. I agree with you. No need. If you're bro. doing fine without him, let's get him healthy for the next round. And if I'm Dallas, I know Utah's quit already. I already know. I can see it when I watch them. I already know. It's over. Yeah. So what's, you know, let's just keep. Listen, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie are fine players. They are torching the Utah Jazz, <laughs> torching are. them. I mean, who, who needs Luca? We're good. We're fine in this series. Yeah. Well, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, Luca, no matter what, we got you for game five, mm-hmm. and you'll be 100%, and mm-hmm. we're going to remove the risk of you dealing with this again. Again, if doctor said, guys, he can't get hurt any worse, he's right. fine. Then fine. Different mm-hmm. story. But if there's some, if the doctor says, you know what, another 48 hours would be great, then take 48 hours, buddy. Yeah. And we got you two or three home games. Mm-hmm. Home games. And, well, they could be up. Yeah, worst case, you're 2-2. Two, two, and now you got two of three at home with Luke, all three. You like your chances very much there. Yeah. And, I, and I just don't believe in Utah. Like, if I'm Dallas, I'm looking at, I'm like, I don't. Utah doesn't believe in Utah. They were booing them at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, they turned fast. It's, it, it's over. Uh, let's go to the East, Coach, and talk about Celtics-Nets. Um, you know, we talked about the excellent defense the Celtics were playing on Durant. Though in game two, we got to the free throw line 20 times, right? Um, and I felt like, you know, that if the refs start doing that, he'll, you know, find a way to score and impact the game and do different things. Um, what are you seeing uh, from the Nets in terms of offense? Because I know what I'm seeing. No play calls being run at all. Yeah, I, I a lot of stagnation. Let's go backwards some. Um, uh, 23 of those is too much if you're the Celtics. That's a mistake. But it's the tax you're paying for playing the way you're playing. And ultimately Durant is underperforming. Mm-hmm. And so you, you feel like, okay, it's a tax that's worthwhile. Like no billionaire should be complaining about taxes. Okay. They, they do, but they shouldn't be They're They're making their billionaires. Uh, uh, the Celtics that they're paying that tax and they're okay with it because they, the, the Durant hasn't had that moment where you got five straight possessions and he's got 13 points and he hasn't hit the rim once, and doesn't matter what you did, he didn't notice, you know? Uh, and so it's worthwhile for them. They can tweak it, foul a little bit less, play just as physically. I don't think the Nets have had many counters to it. Uh, Kyrie seemed flat, am mm-hmm. I right, in mm-hmm. game two? Yep. Uh, there's so many games going on in my head. Yep, very flat uh, in game seemed, two. Seemed flat in game two, that's disappointing. Um, 
I would love to say, well, they got this incredible home environment, but that, that ain't going to be the case in Brooklyn. It doesn't matter anyway. Utah did, and they, and they were booing. <laughs> it's the loudest they were. They were booing their own team. I, I, want, I have to say this. I hope, I hope people get mad at me, but, man, I'm so sick of hearing about the, whether it's the Midwesterners or, or Utah, they're just salt of the earth. Fuck that. I know people from everywhere, man. I, I've had, I've had planefuls of Midwesterners that the fucking second they landed off one of our big – uh, 350 passenger planes when I flew them to a Super Bowl, they couldn't wait to light their fucking cigarettes on the fucking runway. <laughs> and I, you could see the jet fumes. I'm like, can you wait till you get in the turn? I'm yelling. I, I just imagine a fireball. The, no one on the ground was panicked, and the airplane people know more than me. But like, you have to puff on those fucking cancer sticks so fast you can't get inside first, and they bitched like hell at me. People, there are some great people, some bad people everywhere. Everyone loves these great Salt Lake City fans. They were fucking booing like crazy in, in the second <laughs> quarter. Come on, man. And it ain't no one better than anyone else. Coach David Thorpe, anti-salt of the earth. I love it. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Call my ass. Um, uh, I think that uh, if, if the net, listen, the Nets have a heartbeat, these have been great games. And I wouldn't be at all surprised that it's 2-2 going back to Boston. Not at all surprised. The question is, is how much gas is Durant going to have as, mm-hmm. as he keeps going? And, and as we said on our show, I think a week ago, maybe I was with Henry, I don't remember. Durant is, a, there's a physicist in there, people. And he's doing the math. And he's thinking, if I got to do this to get through these guys, yeah, they're play, they play the best defense, but they're also giving the blueprint for every other team. Mm-hmm. And I got to do this for how many more wins? Mm-hmm. 12 more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to hustle out that loose ball. And def- I mean, he's defending his ass off, too. He is. He is. And maybe he, he'll keep doing it. But at some point, you got to keep feeding the, the fire to keep fueling that fire. And I don't know that he's got it. The math. So um, I'd love to see them go to. I'd love to see them win game three. Don't worry about game four. Win game three. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely possible they will. But they're going to have to play better. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that you're seeing, Coach, and we talked about this, the their lack of size. Everybody they bring off the bench besides Claxton in their main rotation is six foot two and smaller. And when the Celtics are putting out Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, like just you're there's only so much Patty Mills and Gordon Dragic can do defensively, right? Like they're just small. And it wears you down. Yeah. Part of it's that's part of the physical nature. That's why they don't mind giving KD 20 free throws. This is I think this is a set strategy mm-hmm. where you don't see this. This is this is why you'll never have me. I argue on behalf of a one-and-done finals tournament because you'll never see this. Right. I, they, they, there is, they are paying – Every these teams are playing the long game. I like three-dimensional chess that way. It's not just any one game only. There is a long-term vision to it, and uh, they want to exact a toll on Durant. Now, you can't be down 3-0, but the Celtics might be up 3-0, and then, and mm-hmm. then it can pay off – I mean – that's the thing. You win this one, it's over for sure. But even even if they win game three and lose game lose game three and win game four, Boston, now you're up three one. Durant's still doing the mental math of Jesus. This, you know, we're not Denver with a bunch of young guys led by Jokic coming back against the Clippers or the Jazz. Right. This is this rugged Celtics defense, and and I'll make an argument for the guy I picked for defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. Robert Williams is incredibly valuable. I get it. And the on-off numbers for Smart suggest that he's not as valuable defensively as some of the others. But I'm telling you, there's a mindset there. And I think he starts it. For sure. I think he's one reason why Tatum plays so good on defense. Mm -hmm. I think Smart demands it. Mm -hmm. 
He's the leader that way. And, and Tatum and Brown have been tremendous, especially Tatum defensively on Durant. Everyone's talking about it, but I think it starts with smart. You, you can see it. It, it. It's evident in the entire way in which the Boston's playing. And shout out to Ime Yuduka, who was on the Nets staff last year and for sure has a little bit of intel that he's giving his guys. About and, that. You know, and, and, that, about and that, that matters, right? And that for sure matters. So. Um, the, so there's a, not rumors uh, reported that Ben Simmons will play game four. Um, he's come through his workouts and all that playing well. And, you know, you asked the question, should they play Ben Simmons? I think, I guess if you want to kind of get a glimpse of what the future of the team is going to look like, maybe sure. I don't know how much value he's going to add in a series that's already going on from a player who hasn't played basketball in over a year, who's a very unique player, right? In that, how does he fit in with what we do everything around here? Now, I do think that his skill set fits with what they have in KD and Kyrie because they don't need Ben Agreed. Simmons to dominate the ball. Agreed. It's like, you don't got to score, dude. We got that covered. You do the other stuff. That's all well and good, but it's still the human body. No, ser- I mean, yes, you're playing five on five, but that's not a real NBA playoff game. That's just fooling around, not fooling around, but that's just simulated with your teammates. The intensity of a playoff game is something far, far different. Um, so I don't know how much impact he can have in a limited amount of time, but we'll see. I'm not, I'm not against it. If the doctors are saying to your point, it's clear and he can go do, let's see what we can get, but you know, don't hold your breath. If you're a Nets fan, like this is going to be some magic elixir. I, I like the idea of hoping versus knowing if, if you're hoping that he can help you win, I think it's a mistake to play him. Uh, not just because you may help you lose the game, but I think you're fucking with his psyche a little bit more too. Even if you give him a very targeted two-minute run, hey, let's just try for two minutes just to get, get, you know, get a feel for it. If you're knowing based on what you've seen that, oh, he can do this, then play him. It, it may not work out, but if, if you have your, if you, it's science-based. Mm-hmm. We've seen you in five on five. Your speed is there. Your agility is there. Your thought processing is there. You've been great in, in what we've done defensively, especially in our practices, however you're doing it. We know you can do this. I, I think you can try him for, again, tight tight window of time in each quarter. But if you're hoping, yeah, we're not really sure, let's hope, I think that's a big mistake. Yeah. And you're fucking with his long-term psyche. And that, we, he's already had that enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, hate, you hate to treat him with like, a, like a child that way, but uh, our human mind can be really fragile. For sure. And yeah. it is. It's fragile for a lot of us. And so I, I hope they're mindful of that as they process it. And remember, Coach, this is the future of your franchise. He's got he's under contract for four more years, I believe. Durant just signed his five year. I mean, so this is so you got to be careful, right? Because if it goes down the path of you messing with his psyche and it's bad news again, well, you're you're in the same situation Philly was in <laughs> over the last however many years. So right. you've got to see long game here. And you know, newsflash, and I don't know how much of this is KD Kyrie. The Nets fans are getting a little bit anxious about Steve Nash. That seat's getting a little warm over there in Brooklyn. And, you know, the question ultimately is, who can Marks bring in that, not so much Durant, because I think he will he can work well with, with, with any coach and do what's, what's required. Who can take on Kyrie and be like, no, dude, this is what we need you to do. And it's funny because last year they had they were fine last year, minus the injuries. Like when they were yeah. on the floor, they were running stuff, doing things. But Agreed. this year was just not that. Yeah, Kenny Atkins would be good, but I don't think they're gonna hire him. <laughs> yeah, he, he would be pretty good. He's he may get a job. Oh, he oh he will. Yeah, he may get a job. Uh Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they should hire him. Right. I'm just saying uh, you know, his name, uh, if you're Kyrie, you'd want that. KD may not want it. Because uh, uh, it's such a 
point guard mm-hmm. focus, although he could always change it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, um, I think he's a smart enough coach to do whatever it needs to be done. But um, yeah, I think that I, Henry and I have been talking, Gerard, about this whole idea of of uh, we love the idea of player empowerment, but um, of of a fight between the star players and the coaches getting running what they want. I know that LeBron battle was Spolstra. Mm-hmm. And Miami ultimately, I think Spolstra ultimately won that a little bit. He it wasn't a blowout. Mm-hmm. I think he won a little bit to get him to play more the way he wanted him to play. Uh, but the, but and great great credit to LeBron and Spolstra. This is you know right now Brooklyn seems like they don't want to do what they probably should be doing, mm-hmm. and it's weird because and and Durant didn't like it and que- the Queens aren't for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's I think I think Kawhi was crazy to leave Toronto. I think Durant was crazy to leave Golden State. Mm-hmm. They do what they want to do. But it's not about winning more basketball games. That's that, to me that was evident when they made the decision. For sure, that wasn't sure. just about that, which is perfectly fine. Live your life, but it comes with a cost. Yeah, and that cost right now is you guys haven't sniffed a championship mm-hmm. since. Yeah, it's it's wanting to win but win on your own terms, right? And it's like, yeah. well, but what ultimately matters? I don't love that. Is is it the win or is it under this. your terms? You know, right, Draw, We haven't even talked about this. I don't love the um, Jack and McBall has got that new. I haven't listened to it yet. Their new podcast and. I guess Jordan talked about how Dr. J said, come, uh, whatever you need me, hit me up. And LeBron, uh, Jordan was proud of saying he never did. Mm. And that LeBron, uh, Jordan said to Kobe, ever need me, look me up for, uh, for guidance. Mm. And it never happened that way. It did when he was a teenager, but not once he started playing. Uh, LeBron, same thing. LeBron didn't reach out to whomever. Uh, that ultimate macho shit, I think, is so stupid. I agree. I, I really do. I, I don't think our tech superstars... Are, have that approach. I think they still feature all the fucking time, you know? Um, the, the idea is to win as much as possible. Why do you have to do it yourself? Like, why, I don't understand that. Writers, the best writers in the world learn from each other all the time. I don't, I don't get that. We, we, we can get into a whole thing about psychology and because all, all that's based in rooted insecurity, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, but, you know, that's yeah. a whole other 75-hour podcast for another day. We don't have time for all that. Um, so a couple quick things. Um, you've got a you had an article come out today about the challenge big men are facing in the NBA playoffs. Part one was out today, and it was tied around you know some of the good things Jackson Hayes is doing, but in, in limited minutes, and the good things that Stephen Adams is doing all season, but not able to do against Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and it's sort of related to the article you wrote about center being the hardest position to play in the NBA right now. Yeah, yeah. Just there, it's Henry first noticed it. Just that some of the worst performances so far have been by centers. Or guys who just don't play, like Kevon Looney's barely played after playing a little bit and playing a lot during the regular season. Steven Adams is, hasn't played in the last 48 minutes plus 45, you know, 93 minutes with the last two games. Um, hasn't played one bit and was starting playing 24 minutes a game, whatever, in the regular season. And so we're just, we're diving into it. Like, what the hell is going on there? I think I know, and that's what part two and maybe in part three is going to be. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Jackson Hayes played, he, he they, they, they left him in against Zubak in the mm-hmm. Clippers game as a four. And, uh, and once they got, because they have Valanchunas, but they, they, Zubak was guarding Jackson. So Jackson was involved in pick and roll. It wasn't Valanchunas anymore. They left him in the game. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, they took Zubak out of the game because now he's still playing pick and roll, even with his check. Right. And now they took Jackson out. So by doing what the coach wanted, he got benched. Yep. And yet Willie Green stayed with him in the, in the playoffs so far, and it's worked out well. It's just weird. Yeah. It's weird right now. That's what me and Henry were talking about. Is these guys are, I mean, some of them are not playing barely at all or at all in Stephen Adams' case. 
and it's not the same as regular season. So we're, we're studying it. Yeah, different basketball playoffs regular season. All right, last thing, we normally do our top five. Instead of that for the playoffs, we're going to do our playoff MVP. Coach, so far, who is your playoff MVP? I think this is really hard uh, because Joel Embiid and Jordan Poole both have been so good. Jimmy Butler has been so good. But I, 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 I think I'm leaning to Jalen Brunson. Mm. To, to put that, I mean, th- this looked like the, a one and done a situation again for the Mavericks. Luka would not make the second round again. Well, he still may not make the second round as a starter because he hasn't <laughs> played yet. They're up 2 1. So I, I think, based on who they're beating, and Utah wasn't that bad. They were number one offense this year. Right. I think I'm going to lean towards Brunson, but those other guys have been amazing. Too. I, I, I love that pick. I kind of I didn't see that coming, but I love what he's doing. Uh, look, I started the show with him. I want to end it with him. Through three games for the it's Jordan Poole, man. I mean, Jordan this Poole. guy has just been unreal. And again, that's player development, which is the heart. That's coach's specialty. Yep. Like, <laughs> Anybody in the league, you got drafted 28. Y'all could have all had him. Well, now you can't. So anyway, folks, keep watching the playoffs and we will see you on Monday for another episode. Take care.